in today's solo, I talk about one fateful exchange between my mom and I from the seventh grade that ultimately changed the trajectory of my life. Well, sort of. Are you hitting a wall in your business because you feel like you're too busy? Do you ever wish there were more hours in a day? This podcast is for hyper-focused entrepreneurs who want to learn the secrets of superhuman productivity. Together, we're going to kick procrastination in the teeth. We're going to slice through BS excuses like a katana blade. We don't ever wonder what happened because we're the ones that made it happen. My name is Josh Thomas. You've now entered the do zone. Welcome to the DZ Tribe. If you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. Jim Rohn. DZ Tribe, Josh Thomas. Love the fact that you're here. Hey, I want to tell you something important to me. Uh, just recently launched a personality profile assessment for entrepreneurs. It's called the Do Zone DNA. And I encourage you to learn more about that by going to dozonedna.com and you can sign up, take that test, and get clarity on how you get stuff done so that you can build the world around you for optimal productivity. Once again, that's dozonedna.com. Today, I want to talk to you about something my mom said to me 30 years ago that ultimately affected my life in many unintended ways. Now, my mom is a sweetheart. She listens to my podcast. She's probably heard every single one of them. And she might be my biggest fan, okay? So it's fine. Hey, mom, how you doing? Love you. Uh, but I want to talk about something that she said to me when I was a child uh, and impressionable that, that ultimately really had a huge impact on me uh, in a somewhat negative way, actually. You know, uh, and, and it just kind of goes to show how important it is to uh, encourage people and be careful, be careful not to create false limits. And here's what she said. She said, well, he's an athlete, honey. That was it. One sentence. One sentence affected my life tremendously. Well, he's an athlete, honey. And I'll tell you the context. I'll set the stage for you. Okay. And so I've never really been a, uh, what you would call a muscular guy. Uh, I've never been super in shape. I'm in pretty good shape now. Uh, probably the best shape of my life. But when I was a kid, I was kind of pudgy and fat and short. And, you know, I had big squirrely cheeks and a uh, little, you know, a uh, I, I didn't have a beer. I didn't drink beer, so it wasn't like a beer belly. But so I had like a soda belly, if you will. Um, just kind of a. I was just like a portly little bastard, <laughs> you know. And but uh, in sixth grade, uh, I decided, or my mom decided for me. She said, "You know what? You're chubby. Uh, I'm going to put you to work." And so she took me down against my will and signed me up for city league football. And I did not want to be there. Didn't want to have anything to do with any of it. I'm like, I don't, I don't like running. You know, I don't like football. I don't know anything about it. And so I ended up starting playing and I, and I actually liked it. Uh, the coaches liked me. I was, I was smart. Uh, and I was aggressive. I wasn't super fast, 
Uh, and so I ended up being uh, an offensive lineman. I was the center for anybody that doesn't know football. It's the guy that uh, it's the guy that takes the ball from the from the line of scrimmage on the field and and hikes it back behind, between his legs to the quarterback. And so I was the center. And I ended up loving football. And I stuck with it and then went to middle school the next year. And it was pretty much the same kids uh, that I was playing with. So we all knew each other. Uh, and there were a couple of, there were a couple of kids that, uh, you know, there was one guy that was, uh, I mean, we were 12 and this guy was already probably like five foot nine or taller. He was a big, tall guy. Uh, and then there was another one that was super muscular. There was another one that looked like he could probably eat me if he was mad enough. And, and so there's all these people I'm surrounded with. And, uh, we would go and we would do these conditioning drills and uh, we would run on the field. And since I was a lineman, I didn't ever usually go and catch the ball. I would just hike it and then push back defenders. And I was pretty good at that because I had a lot of aggressions to get out. Uh, but I noticed when we were doing the conditioning drills and the running, there were always at least four or five kids that just smoked my ass. I mean, they just smoked me. It wasn't even close. You know, I wasn't really tall. I have these I have these tiny little legs and they're just like pumping as hard and fast as they can. And uh I remember one day after practice, uh I was getting in the car and you know, I said to my mom, uh I don't remember all of their names at this point, you know, Aaron, you know, John, uh, Jack, you know, Kenny, those guys like, man, these guys are so fast and they're so muscly. You know, I just don't know how I'm supposed to keep up with them. I don't know how to catch up with them. And my mom, you know, just doing her best to comfort me and, and make sure that I felt uh, okay and accepted, she said to me, well, he's an athlete, honey. They're athletes. You know, they probably go home after this and they do more work. Uh, and they, they work out more and they exercise and they're just naturally gifted and they're just built different. And, and I thought to myself like, oh, okay. And so there was this little bit of sadness that, that came into my mind at that moment. It was just a little sad, like, well, why can't I be an athlete? But okay, I guess that's not in the cards for me. I guess I'm really not made to do this. And so I finished out... Uh, that year in football, and it was good. We were we were a good team, you know, for middle schoolers, uh, and we were competitive. And I finished that out, uh, and and I really enjoyed the camaraderie and the people I was around and being a part of something bigger than me. Uh, but I was also I had started playing in the band, and I was pretty good at that too. And uh, so when eighth grade rolled around, uh, you know, the coach called me up and said, "Hey." Josh, just wanted to see if you were uh, looking to play football again this year. And I said, no, nah. no, I don't think so. I think I want to concentrate on being in the band. I think that's more important to me. And uh, he said, okay. And so I stuck with the band, uh, and I actually did follow through with that. I uh, went, to, went to college for it. I got a degree in education and music education. I ended up being a band director for several years. And it was a very fulfilling career, you know, for the amount of time that I was doing it. But those words kept sticking with me. 
well, he's an athlete, honey. And I kind of let that, I kind of let that define me for the longest time. Like, well, he's an athlete, which means I'm not an athlete. And it actually became painfully apparent one time. Uh, and I let this, I let this beat me. This was me. It's not my mom's fault. You know, she was just doing the best she could with the information she had. Uh, but there was this one time that, uh, I lost my starting position because I missed a game. If you miss a game, man, that's, that's not good. I was a starter. I was a center and the backup guy was also in the band. Um, and, but I was just, I was smarter and more aggressive than him, even though he was a little bit bigger than me. Actually, he was a lot bigger than me. Uh, but I had the starting position because I worked hard for it and I kept it. And then I missed a game one time because I was sick. And because I missed the game, he swapped the starters. And so I had to work extra hard in practice to re-earn that position. And I made it undeniable. I made it undeniable that, nope, that's my position. I'm getting it back. And uh, I've, I pretty much had earned it back. And uh, we had this weird tradition um, where on game days we would wear our jerseys to school. And if you had a girlfriend, then you would let your girlfriend wear your jersey during the day. Uh, you know, it's kind of this, it's kind of like this ritual type of thing where you're like, hey, yeah, that's my girl. She's wearing my jersey. <laughs> and so I didn't have a girlfriend at the time, but there was this girl I had a huge crush on. She was really cute. Um, and her name was Holly, by the way, I'll, I'll leave her last name out of it. Um, but so I let her wear my Jersey and, uh, and then I went to go get it back and she's like, Oh, well just, let me just wear it home. You know, I'll bring it to the game tonight. And I'm like, are you sure? Oh yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Sure. I got you. I'm like, okay. And so I remember watching her, she got on the bus and she rode off wearing my Jersey and I'm like all proud, you know, it's like, oh, that's my girl. That's my future girlfriend, you know? And so I show up and our color, our team colors are purple and, uh, purple and gold. Okay. And so I show up and I didn't have my Jersey because Holly had it. And so our practice jerseys are white. And so I show up in my practice Jersey waiting for her, you know, and I show up to coaches team and they're like, where's your, where's your Jersey, man? I'm like, ah, oh, you know, there's this girl has it. She's going to bring it. She'll be here in a minute. Are you sure? Yeah, no, no, no. She's coming. And so Game time creeps closer. No Holly, no Jersey. Uh, I'm looking around. I'm like, uh, okay, game starts. No Holly, no Jersey. Obviously, if I don't have a Jersey, I can't get out on the field and play. So I lost my starting position and never got it back. And I'll never forgive Holly for that. Thanks, Holly, for that one day. But here's the thing that I noticed. Uh, so Shane was the other guy. And Shane gets the starting position and he grows like a foot and he gains like 58 pounds or something and he becomes this massive person. And so part of me was a little bit relieved that like okay, well maybe I'm not meant for football. You know, that's just not my thing because obviously these people are giants and I'm never going to be a giant. I'm never going to be in shape. You know, I'm never going to be this. I'm never going to be that. And so I let that become my reality, and I found excuse after excuse after justification after justification for saying, I'm not an athlete. Those people are athletes, not me. I'm not made for that. I'm not cut out for that. I'm not built for that. 
And I believed that for decades and decades and still I, until I really started paying attention and I started realizing that there are a bunch of really great football players who are superb athletes who are playing at the highest level of the NFL who are about the same size as I am. They're about, I'm, I'm five foot nine, okay? They're about five foot nine. And they weigh about the same as I do. Maybe they're a little bulkier because they put on some muscle or something like that. There are people playing basketball at the highest level in the NBA who are the same height as me. They're the same build as me. I started realizing, well, maybe I could have been an athlete if I'd have just applied myself. But I stopped because I believed in the filter that somebody else put on to somebody else. Like it wasn't, my mom did not say anything about me. She didn't say, Josh, you're never going to be capable of what these men are capable of. She never said that. What she said was she labeled somebody else and said, those people over there are athletes. And that means that they are superior physically. That means that they put in extra work and et cetera, et cetera. And I, by default, through, through no intent or a fault of my mother, I applied the rest of it by saying, well, if those people are athletes, then that means that I'm not. If those people are out and going and doing more work because maybe their parents are more demanding of them for their sport, and my parents are not so demanding, then obviously that means that I'm not capable of that because I'm putting that responsibility on somebody else. Now, that's a pretty hard thing to battle and struggle with when you're 12 years old to figure out your own responsibility for things. But it's one of those things that left a lasting impression on me. Self-inflicted. But I had this influence to believe that those people over there are different. And I interpreted that by meaning that, well, if they're different, then I must not be the same. I must not be capable of that. I must not have the same resources as they do. I don't have a dad that has taken me out and helping me with strength training. So obviously, I'm not capable of the same things that they're capable of. That's what I taught myself to believe. That's what I allowed to be my reality. Well, he's an athlete, honey. And so what's the lesson that we can get from this? And for me, the lesson's very simple. The reason, the entire reason that I shared this with you today is first and foremost, be careful what you say to those who are listening. Be careful what you say to somebody who's paying attention to the way you see the world. Because you have no idea what kind of impact it will have on them. Whether you intend that impact or not, make sure you understand that your words carry power. That's one lesson. And the second lesson is, don't let anybody tell you who you are or who you aren't or where you belong or where you don't belong or what you should be doing or what you shouldn't be doing. The only person 
who can determine any of those things ultimately is you. Regardless of how somebody else sees the world, regardless of how they see you, regardless of how they see other people or another group, the thing that matters the most is what do you do with your life? Could I have gone and been a star athlete? Probably. Would my road have been much tougher than these other guys who were athletes? Most definitely. I didn't have the resources. I didn't have the pedigree. I didn't have the genetic superiority. I wasn't that tall. I wasn't that muscly. You know, I'm just a just a chubby white kid with, you know, comb over hair because I loved Superman back in the day. I didn't have anything going for me except for the fact that I wasn't afraid to go out there and get get pushy and and aggressive and just go as hard as I could. But there's some merit in that. Maybe that could have translated into something and I could have been an athlete. Now, I don't regret not becoming an athlete. Okay? It's not like, oh, you know, mom, you ruined my dreams. I don't regret it at all. Because seriously, uh, Shane, who, who took my starting position in seventh grade, by the time we graduated high school, he was a mountain of a man. <laughs> and I was pretty much the same. I mean, I got a little bit taller after seventh grade, but not a whole lot. I'm not a short guy, but I'm definitely not a tall guy. And I'm definitely not a bulky guy. Okay. Uh, so I don't regret the decisions that I made, but I keep going back to that moment where I felt like, well, those people are different than me, so I must not be capable of it. And at this point in my life, I make it clear to myself that there is nothing I'm not capable of. I started learning how to play guitar in my mid-30s. And I'm like an okay guitar player. I'm not amazing. I started learning how to salsa dance in my late 30s. And I think I'm actually a pretty decent salsa dancer. I started learning Spanish when I was 35. I'm 42 now. I'm fluent in Spanish. And so there's nothing that you're not capable of. Don't let anybody, including yourself, tell you that you can't do something or you're just not made for that or, well, you should have done this differently and, oh, if only, if only, if only. Don't let anybody do that for you because you are capable of anything that you want to be capable of as long as you put in the effort and you have a purpose for it. I wanted to learn Spanish because I wanted to immerse myself in the culture. I wanted to learn guitar because I love music. I wanted to learn how to salsa dance because it's a way for me to express myself artistically and connect with other people. And so I immersed myself in that because I had a reason to. And I had dedication to becoming proficient in that because it's enjoyable. I didn't let somebody say, well, you're just some hillbilly from Kentucky. You know, if you were going to if you were going to immerse yourself in Latino culture, you should have done that, you know, when you were a kid. It's too late now, dude. But it's never too late. Don't let anybody else tell you who you are and who somebody else is that you're not. That's going to wrap up today. Uh, one more reminder, DoZone DNA is out. Go to DoZoneDNA.com and take your own personality profile assessment for entrepreneurs and get a clear picture of 
how you get stuff done so that you can focus on becoming the best possible version of yourself. I'm going to wrap up for today. I would love it if you could subscribe uh, to this podcast so that you don't miss any future episodes. Head over to thedozone.com for more tips, and uh, also there's a link to the test on there as well. And uh, until next time, hey, go do something. I have a job for you. Open up your phone or get out a piece of paper and write down these three questions. Number one, what is one important task I can get completely done today? Number two, when can I start it? And number three, what impact will that have on my life? Now answer these questions as best you can every single day this week. Then commit to taking action daily. Now you're in the do zone, baby. Let's go. Need some help with accountability? Are you stuck where you're at and not sure how to break through the barrier in front of you? Join the DZ tribe for free by visiting thedozone.com. We're a group of hyperactive entrepreneurs who want to help you get more stuff done. Oh, one more thing. If you know somebody who needs to hear this message, share it with them. Text them, email them, send them a DM on social media, smoke signals, carrier pigeons, whatever. Be sure to tag us at the Do Zone. Also, keep the five-star written reviews coming over on iTunes. That helps new people find the show, hear it, and get themselves into the Do Zone as well. And always remember, the road to success is paved with imperfect action. So what are you waiting for? (laughs) Go do something already. See you next time.